welcome to this time, and this is actually a defining moment in our church, in our church history, and who we are today. Uh, it's an act of worship. It's a time of just celebrating the Lord. And I just want to invite you and thank you for being online, for those that are here, for being in this defining moment. You know, in Acts, as we were looking at it, it told us and led us that, that the things that happened weren't just experiencing miracles, but they were seeking the glory of God how Jesus was working through us to bring his glory. And my task as a pastor is that when you come into this room, you experience God. That when I speak, that when I share, that you sense the presence and the weight of God on his purposes. Whatever that service is about, whatever is going on, the Holy Spirit wants to reveal himself and show himself. And so today, as we take this time, I want us really to know and understand this is an act of worship. I believe it's more than that. I think it's a plan that God is trying to show you and how blessing and celebration can come into your life. So because of you, when you experience the presence of God and being led by the Holy Spirit, Lives are changed, destinies are changed, generations are changed, families are changed through you because Christ is coming through you. And as we take a moment to pause, one of the things we want to do is we want to remember those that have come before us. Those that have sat in your chairs, prepared the way for you to be here today. Uh, over there in that picture, just one of the pictures we have is Margaret and Bob Arnold, and they have passed away, but Margaret, you'll find that her picture's hanging in our kitchen. She was the servant. Uh, she's the one that said, you know, can I clean your toilets? And raised up a group of people that were handicapped and brought them in, and we had 20 to 30 people just going around and just taking care of this temple. And when they passed, they left $80,000 to reduce debt at a very critical time in our life. Then there's Arnold and Ann Monreal. Uh, for those ladies who understand this question, she wasn't a mouse. But, <laughs> but she was consistent. She was there. She was a part, both of them. Both of them led such a great part of what we've done and are here. Ken and Wanda Irig, they were founders in our organization and they were founders in this church and they would pray, I'm telling you. They prayed for this moment. They have prayed for everything that happened for this building before anything existed. They prayed in everything. Jim and Jeannie Mason, always volunteering, always there, always a part. Uh, she was a big part of getting the notes and our receptionist for a while and, and all that they gave and all that they did. I can go on and on about others, but what you need to know is that today that they're standing up. They're standing up in anticipation of what you will do, how you respond, and they are calling us to rise and shine. 
to rise and shine. To rise up and do what God has called us to do and to shine forth the message in the darkness of this day. The world, it is staged, it is engaged, it is in turmoil, it is in so much uh, uh, evil that it's, it's hard to understand, even fathom the changes that are coming so fast, that are happening to us. It's a high stakes event. And we're entering into the final phase. And our youth, our children, and the next generation staff that we have here, they are the prize that is being sought by both sides. Those who don't even know Christ yet. Those that will come and sit in these chairs. Those that are yet to appear are unaware totally unaware of this defining moment of time for their lives that is being played out. In 2021, they told us, no. They told us, stop. They told us, you're unimportant. It's more important that we have a marijuana place and that the alcohol stores stay open and, and that those, uh, the adult stores stay open, but the church... Shut up, sit down, don't you pray, don't you sing, you're unimportant. 38% of pastors in 2021 quit the ministry because of the stress. The highest percentage of churches ever to close their doors was last year. We are averaging 75 to 150 churches per week that are ceasing to exist in any form or any manner. And only 50% of those churches on the West Coast are even back in service. It's higher in the Midwest, but on the West Coast, that's all it is. And it's projected that in 22, that we're, you're to expect to lose half of your staff because of the emotional drain that has happened upon them during this time. Imagine the drain that's been happening on you. But we stand here today to declare to the world, yes. Yes, we're going to move forward. Yes, we're always going to be open. Don't even call me and ask me that question. Yes, we are on mission. Yes, we are reaching people. And we're going to reach them with a challenging message of Jesus Christ. So today... I want you to grab your notes. I want you to pull them out. Because we're going to celebrate what God is doing. One, we're going to seek God. We're going to listen to God. And we're going to obey God. That's what his call is. And in that, there is celebration. So the first one is obedience brings celebration. You want to know how you get to celebration? It's through obeying. It's through listening. It's through knowing what he is about and what he is doing. And there's this incredible story. The stories I'm sharing today are just kind of like off the hook. They're the ones that kind of make you say, well, what's that about? What was going on there? To bring celebration, we must seek God's purpose. God, what are you up to? What are you doing? Show me what to do. I will be a part of that. 1 Kings 17, 7 through 16. And I'm going to kind of paraphrase as I go through this, but read along with me. The brook dried up. 
Elijah's been in this valley. Ravens are bringing food to him. He's got a brook there. He is hiding from the queen because he is, God has caused them to, to bring a drought in the country. And it's dried up. And God says, it's time for you to seek, Elijah. It's time for you to move from this place. You're not to hunker down. You're not to be isolated. You need to move. I'm going to send you somewhere. For there was no rainfall anywhere. And the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zephah. Now, here's an interesting thought. I want you, I say the name, you don't even know it. I'm not even sure I pronounced it right. But, you know, here's the thing about that, that village. It was the home that the queen was born in. He was to go up north from that valley through all the enemy territory, everyone looking through him, everyone that has a wanted poster for him, to go to this village. It was not a safe village to go to. And it's the home of the queen's family. It's where she grew up. I have instructed. Does that give you some question marks right there? I mean, I think it makes me pause. Really, that's your instructions? A widow there to feed you. Okay, no one rich? A widow? Someone who has no property, has no matter because they weren't allowed to? I mean, you're sending me to a widow? And I'm supposed to go to the most dangerous place to go? God's plans often don't make sense. You get that? They usually make, you know, you think, how does that make sense? No, God, I got a better plan. I, I know what you're really trying to say. No. God's plans often don't make sense because you don't know his purposes. You don't know all that he's about. His plans are bigger. So he went, and at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, Please bring me a little water in a cup. I don't know about you, but that kind of sounded a little bit rude there, you know. Hey, give me some water. I was kind of common. It's what you would do in caring for it. And when you do it, do it in a cup. That means you got to go to the house, all right? Do it in a cup. And as she was going, he called also, oh, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear to you, I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. I have only a handful of pennies that me and my son will die. I'm just here to cook one last piece of bread. We'll eat it. And then we'll die because there's nothing left. There's a famine. There's, there's, there's everything going against us. There's no food. It can't be had. I don't have the money. I don't have the resources. There's nothing I can do. But Elijah said, don't be afraid. Maybe you want to circle that. Don't be afraid. Often God says that. Don't be afraid. Go and do just what I've said. Make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. We're going to celebrate. You thought your day was that your plan was to sit down and die. Not only are you going to do that, you're going to make me bread, and then you're going to go back and make yourself bread, and you're, we're going to celebrate. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and crops and grows them. When the rain comes, you're still going to have it. When the crops grow, you're still going to have it. When it's time for harvest, that's when it's going to stop. I'm going to be continuing with it. 
She did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for days. There was always enough flour and enough olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised. Don't be afraid. Just as the Lord has promised. This doesn't make sense. Just as the Lord has promised. I have provided a way. I don't understand your way. Doesn't matter. Do what I say, and just as I have promised, it will come about. Elijah had to seek a city, a widow, food, God's purposes. The widow was asked to seek God's plan, not hers. Her plan was to simply die. As a church, we are seeking God's plan. We've been praying every day at 206. Our alarms have been going off. Our meetings have been disturbed. Events have been, but we've been praying. And great things are happening in this church. Stop for a second. Lord, we just want to pray, Lord, fill us with your spirit. We didn't come here just to warm seats today. We came here because we need your presence. We need you to fill us. We need you to wash over us. We need to sense you. We need to know that you're here. Lord, we need to have your words. We need to have your ideas. You need to wash through us and wash out fear. Wash out those things that are in us, Lord God, that would doubt you or or hold up on you. Lord God, let your spirit just fill us today. And Lord, make us bold. In Acts, when they were facing persecution, their prayer was, make us bold bold. We are repeating that. Make us bold because our message can change lives. What you have to say and what you're asking us to do, Lord, is the plan and purposes where you will say, I will fulfill my promises. Make us bold in your name. Amen. His calling to start E3 Academy and just the ability to see the Holy Spirit and just work through our students to be able to reach them, not just academically, but socially, emotionally, and just to watch them become um, spirit-filled leaders is amazing. And it's just so cool to see that he called me with so little to give, and he um, grew that in me. And he also has called other um, staff and students here with very little, and they have sacrificed so much time and income and um, responsibility to be here and to pour into other students. God has taken me from someone that was defined by my past, defined by what had happened to me and my family, defined by how I felt about myself. Um, and that flip has been that, that I've seen how I'm defined by God and what God calls me um, and how God views me and the gifts and talents that he's given me. And I've been able to walk in what God has called me to and how God has called me to do it and how God has gifted me to do that expansion of my growth and my love for God too. Um, I believe that we have a lot of people here that just model what it means to follow God, what it means to be a lover of His, and um, just being able to grow in that area and having um, leaders and pastors who pour into us is just one of the greatest gifts that I could have gotten. When I first came to Grace, um, I was coming out of an entirely different career and trajectory of my life, and God put that on hold, and I came here and began to volunteer, and through it, the Lord was like, I am calling you into the ministry, and so I have been able to go through pastoral development, 
um, and get my pastoral development license, my general license. A few years ago, uh, God asked Victor and I to become foster parents. And um, being here and with Randy and Terry, where that is their heart um, and the heart of our church and its vision um, has just um, broadened my world in such an incredible way. Uh, God has used this place to train me up, uh, to send me out, um, and to stretch me in more ways than I ever thought were possible. God has really used this place as a hospital to really begin to shape and form my character to what it is to be a man of God, what it is to be just a leader, what it is to be a true servant. So God has used this place to really shape and form my character and my life in ways that I cannot think uh, back seven years ago when I first came here. To be able to um, have a position of leadership and to grow with other teens at a young age, we were given responsibilities and we were given leadership roles and mentors to guide us through that. And because of that, um, both myself and many others are now serving in the church today. The mentoring that our leaders give us one-on-one -on -one has been the tool that has been the most beneficial to my ministry. Um, they will teach us, they will show us, they will um, take our hand in whatever situation that we're in and help us work through it. And teaching me about my strengths and my abilities and giving me a platform to practice that giving me a, a place to get involved and, and, and work out what my strengths are and figure out what I'm gifted at and what I'm not gifted at. I know when I came here seven years ago, um, I've made so, I made so many mistakes. And all along those mistakes, uh, both Pastor Randy and Terry have walked me through all of those and things that I could have done differently, things that I could have changed. And it really has allowed me to be a better leader. And God has used the leadership here to really walk me through some of those difficult moments in my life and in turn it's better equipped me to minister and walk through and with those around me. Something that Pastor Randy and Terry have really taught me is it's not about the task, it's about the people. The people in front of you matter and how you shepherd them and how you love on them and how you lead them matters. I saw such an explosion in my giftings in a place where that has been championed and a place where that has been um, honored and, and even um, encouraged um, and, and pushed sometimes in very painful moments where you're like, I don't know if I could do this. And yes, yes, you can. Go. Do it. Can you imagine the awe? Uh, your plan is just to make some bread and die. And then every morning for weeks, for months, you go and this empty vessel keeps producing, keeps bringing back. Because God's purposes must be fulfilled. The second story that, that we have is an, an unusual story and, and one that many generations know. And in point two, faith is the first step in the journey to a celebration. There's this awe that we celebrate of God and his working. And then there comes a moment where we have to make a decision. What's my commitment to God? And understanding that we got a grasp is that faith comes by hearing. You know, 
We think it, faith is something I drum up. We think faith is something I cook up. We think faith is, come on now, you can do it. Have some faith. Go, go, go. That's not faith. That's optimism. That's enthusiasm. That's not faith. Faith comes from God. When you hear what he said, wow, he did that for a widow? In a, in a time as dark as that? God could show up? Something rises in you. God, will you do that now for me? And faith and understanding it comes from hearing, and God gives it. Starting in Genesis 22, God tested Abraham's faith. That's how it starts. God tested. And we saw, learned last week, God's going to test every one of us. Do you trust me? And God said, Abraham. Yes, he replied, here am I. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. And go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. I will show you. I want you to point out right here, Abraham's listening. He hears the voice, but he's listening. Listening means you're engaged with what you hear. You're responding to what you hear. Because the next morning, I don't know about you, but I may have pondered for a week or two. Lord, let me pray about this a little bit more. Did, was that really your voice? God, are you sure about this? Well, what's the catch, God? Come and explain this to me. The next morning, Abraham got up early, probably because he couldn't sleep that night, saddled his donkey, and took two of his servants with him and his son Isaac. He chopped wood for a fire. He set out for the place God had told him. On the third day of the journey, that had to be three very difficult days. I don't know if you're noticing a pattern here setting up. Christ, three days in a tomb, God's only son. Abraham saw the place in a distance. He said, stay here with the donkeys, he told his servants. The boy and I will travel further. We will worship there. And then, I want you to see these next words. We will come right back. Circle that. That wasn't some lie. That wasn't something. That was faith. I don't know what's going to happen. This is the weirdest thing ever. I don't, I don't I understand this at all. But we will come back because I've heard God. I've heard his promises. He has been faithful. I know what he has promised. He said through Isaac, not through somebody else. We will come back. And he knows that God doesn't change his mind. Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, we have fire and we have the wood, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? And to him he says, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. And they both walked on together. They arrived at a place where God had told them to go, and Abraham built a fire and arranged the wood, and then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on top of the wood. There had to be a connection, there had to be a belief between both of them. For an older man as him to tie a younger man like Isaac. 
he could not even pick him up and lay him there. The faith in that moment, the trust in that moment. I don't know. This whole thing knocks you to the core. It says, do I have that faith? Do I have that trust? Do I have that commitment to God? And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And the moment the angel of the Lord called to him, Abraham, Abraham. See, God knew he was still listening. He knew he hadn't gotten to grief. He hadn't gotten to a place. He had gone here. God, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. Yes, Abraham, here I am. Don't you lay a hand on the boy. Do not hurt him in any way. For I know you truly fear the Lord. Some of the things that we are going through are to see, do we truly fear the Lord first? Or do we fear man? Do we fear what the situation will bring? Do we fear what others have to say? What do we fear? You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. And he starts to tell the story of how he, God, is going to send his son, his only son. And he wants you to understand that it was something that was not done lightly. It took a great effort, but he was willing to withhold nothing from them. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by his horns in the thicket. So he took the ram and he sacrificed it in a burnt offering in the place of the sun. Abraham named the place Yahweh, which means the Lord will provide. People still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. When you climb up to that situation, you go through those different. On the mountain of the Lord, he will provide it. He will break through on the mountain of the Lord. Then the angel called again to Abraham from heaven, saying, because you have obeyed me, you've not withheld your son. I swear on my own name, I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number. And he goes on, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you obeyed me. My purposes are released in this world because you obeyed me. When we see things around us, do we listen to God? Or do we let those things determine and become our reality? Do we question God? God, are you sure about this? Not realizing he has a purpose. This story has affected generations after generations. Is it affecting your life? Are you living this with faith to believe God for things you've never seen? With faith to obey God before I understand? With faith to trust God no matter what happens? Can you imagine the celebration that they had that day? Oh, God, thank you. You provided. You brought a lamb. I didn't have to make the sacrifice of my very own son. I was willing. But, God, you provided. Not only that, there's blessing. There's more blessing. There's going to be increase in all this. The world's going to be affected. God. Celebration. Bow your heads with me, Lord. We have been praying that you will bless us. Those aren't just words 
make things good and happy. Lord, we want your intense gaze. We want your blessing. We want your heart. We want your love. We want your, you to look at us, Lord God. Lord, and to see what we're about and to bless our family, to bless our words, to bless our actions, to bless us, Lord God, that we will release such a presence, release such a power, that your Holy Spirit that has filled us will be released in that moment, and others will be blessed tangibly, spiritually, physically, Lord God. Lord, as, it, as they met the, the person at the gate they had, and they had no money, says, I don't have anything that you're looking for, but what I do have, it's far greater. I give that to you, that we I release that among our people around us as we come around them, as we meet them throughout our day. Lord, may you be released. Lord, we thank you for that because we are standing here saying, Lord, you show us what we're to do and we'll do it. In your name, amen. I think statistically there's close to 9,000 hours in a year and over 3,000 hours is spent with technology or other outside medias or um, outside sources. And we only get 40 hours here at church with our kids. And so my heart is that in that tiny amount of time that we have that will make a lasting impact. We will be able to continue to have camps where they can get away from all of that and they can just feel God's presence and let God move through them. And with the school, my heart is just to equip a generation who's on fire, that um, they get to come to us at a young age and stay all the way through their high school years. And I want to engage them in their academics, but also in their spiritual learning. I want to equip them with God's word and God's power. And I want to empower them to move on and to lead and to be the next generation to serve. You know that the youth of this generation right now are activated to go forth and proclaim the gospel to the people that they're around. They're activated to lean into the Holy Spirit, to seek out God's wisdom. I think that youth have a tendency sometimes to like, wait till I'm older, wait till I'm in college, wait till I'm an adult to pursue these things. Our passion is that they understand that Scripture says don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. That they understand that in their high schools, in their junior highs, where they're currently at in their families, that God wants to use them to do something. That God wants to empower them through the Holy Spirit. So our heart is that the, the students can get a sense of that. They can get a sense of the Holy Spirit. They can develop their relationship with God. There's so much deception and lies in this world, so we really want to activate them to pursue God in the midst of that. To pursue truth and to stand on solid biblical principles. My dream, my dream, my passion would be that the kids, what they learn on a Sunday or what they learn about God, they would share with other students and their communities and their families and their homes. And if we can show them the love of God right now, or where they're at now, then how much better would this next generation be? I say this all the time that the young adults are the generation of now. They are not the ones that are coming but they're the ones that have influence now, whether it's in their schools, in their jobs, they're the, they're the leaders in industries right now. And, and I believe that God wants to release revival through the young adult generation right now. And uh, we are already seeing uh, some of that here at Grace and some of the young adults stepping up and leading and having influence over people and, and impacting them and, and uh, walking in the calling that God has for them in their lives, whether it's leading here at the church in the back of the tech booth or uh, at their schools, being part of the worship 
uh, movement that God is, is doing in their school. And my heart is for more to be added, for more to come, for more young adults to be released that way so that they would have an impact. The young adults uh, in this day are so plagued with so many mental uh, issues, with so many um, emotional issues. My heart is to see them healed and live in freedom. And not only for those, he, the young adults here at Grace, but for them to be the ones uh, that find that freedom and that live not in bondage and then in turn uh, lead those that are living in that into freedom uh, through Jesus. In regards to growth groups, um, my heart for that area of ministry is that no one here at Grace would be disconnected, that everyone would find their group and not only just go to the group, but I really want to see leaders arise out of that. People who are like, hey, I was in a group and this poured into me and this, this strengthened me and this helped me through a really difficult time and now I want to do that for someone else. I want to see multiplication in our growth groups, more leaders, more groups going. Right now, you know, we have between 10 and 15 groups in a season. I want to see 30 groups. I want to see 60 groups. I want to see 90 groups. Um, in our young adults, in our young women, I want to see them empowered to stand up and be strong women of the Lord in this generation. I want to see them hold their heads high and for God to heal those places um, in them that are broken and for them to walk in authority and not under the uh, weight of depression and anxiety that is gripping our generation. I want to see them lead, lead alongside me and even step out in their leadership. Um, and begin to pray and encourage other women. I wanna see a fire burn in their hearts. I wanna see them come alive. I wanna see them explode in areas of like evangelism. Um, there is so much that God wants to do through this young adult generation and I cannot wait to see it happen. Our staff have been raised up to not just doing a job, they have sacrificed. They've learned what ministry is all about. They have our DNA, not mine, but this church's DNA. They are key to the race because there's going to be a baton passed. And leading on to the future generations, they are the answer. Today is a time where we have an act of worship. The Old Testament talks about it with David and Solomon and so many others where there is an act. We listened to it as we, as we listened about Abraham, an act of worship, a trust in God's purposes to give generously over the next three years above our current giving. Why is this moment a defining moment? Why, why don't we wait? Because God told me I, I couldn't. I, I I only go and try and do what God is asking me. I don't look at all the stats and say, here's what we need to do. Here's a good time. God, if you tell me, then I do it. Sometimes I, I debate a bit. Really, God, now? He says, yeah, now. Because this is the way I want to bless them. Hear that, folks. This is about discipleship. This is about moment. This is about bringing his glory. This is how I'm going to bless them. Revival's coming to our world. I believe that so much. There's going to be a great revealing. The blanket's going to be torn off. We're going to see all that's really going on. It's going to shock us.
but it's going to cause people to turn to God. It's going to cause people to turn totally against God. How we lead, how we position ourselves at this time, that's our legacy. This is our moment to join those that have gone before us. As we launch the next generation, as we prepare for that. Because our actions will impact lifetimes. That's why we're calling us a thousand generations. Our actions, what we do or we don't do, will impact lifetimes. What are we giving for? So that God can reveal to us how he can bless us. And number one, so we can see our staff and our leaders grow and thrive. If you want statistics, our budget has been about 15 to 18% on staff costs. Well, that's a great budget. Yeah, it's not great to live on. And so we need to do something, especially in this time, because they're pivotal to what we do in the future. Ephesians says that we're, to, we're given the, the gift of, of people and leaders in our body to train those around us, for the training to go on, for the, the generations to go on, for there not to be a, a hitch. We have to have them in place and ready. They've been selected. They've been raised. They've been trained. They are key to our future. Number two, financial help. We have to be positioned in a place that we're ready. You steward now in preparing for what's to come. Because we steward when COVID hit, we were ready for that. So many things we did could have tanked this church very easily had we not been prepared. I believe that we're being called to be prepared to win the loss, to reach those, to be innovative. We can't wait to say, well, we'll, we'll wait till some time we can raise some money. We have to be ready to respond to their needs. Number three, we're going to help fund God's work abroad. We've been about doing orphans. We took that one church that we were just living in his house. They now have a church. They now have facilities. Over six to 700 uh, kids are being fed, taught, trained with a job, and they got people that are in their life loving them. It's because of our, our giving, because of our support, and so many others. Uh, currently, uh, we're helping out in Nyland, a little church down there that we're, we're caring for, that we're helping for. And if it wasn't for that, they wouldn't even start opening them up again. And we're reaching into that community after our big fire went through their town. We're there. We're helping them. The 5K with a foster program and the things that we do there where we're reaching out. And in, currently, I've already pledged money, and that money's already been sent to help smuggle refugees out of Ukraine into Poland, among the number of churches that we have. And that's been working very strongly. We've been seeking the Lord in the Holy Spirit. That's what we've been praying and, and taking time in prayer every day. Let your spirit fill us. And tell us intentionally what we'll invest, what we will do. We're listening to what God says and his purposes for blessing. We're obeying his leading. We're stepping out in faith for God's supernatural provision. It's a time to grow as followers. It's a time to be the church, to see God's blessing go for a thousand generations. It's time to experience God's tangible glory. God's tangible glory comes in moments like these. Staff asked me, he says, you know, should we do this on a Sunday? And I said, yeah, we need to do this on a Sunday. He said, what about guests that come and people that are new and stuff like that? Well, here's what I have to say to you. 
you get to see what we're about. You get to see how we love people and we're willing to do anything. And that's important that you know that. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to reach into your, your bulletin. I want you to grab your commitment card. I want you to pull that out. For those that are online, I want you to go to foundgrace.com forward slash generations with an S. Generations with an S. You'll find the same card there. And I want you to take your pins that are right in front of you, and I want you to begin to fill them out. There's a box that says right at the top, um, I'm going to commit to this spiritual journey that will impact a thousand generations, and just mark that. And then write your name and your address. It's important that we have your email, and, your, and then I want you to sign it, because there's something about that that just encourages you when you, when you do that, and you sign that. Again, these aren't commitments that we're looking at and coming after you for. We just want you to trust God and say, here's what I think God is telling to me. It's, it helps us to plan. It helps us to begin to see what God is about. And as you're thinking about your commitment, hopefully many of you already have that thought. You can write it in under a weekly or a monthly or yearly. Again, this is above what you're giving already. This may be your start. And on the back, there's a, little, there's a little guide on the bottom. It says if I weekly give uh, $58, then uh, over the three years, I will actually have given $9,000 to help out. A little chart for you to help you for those who are trying to figure out what they would like to give. And then write that amount down. Whether it's weekly, monthly, in a year, or if there's another way that you're going to do it, just kind of list that out. If you have a special gift because of taxes and other things that are going on right now, you want to write that down, add that into the total. Just write the total amount you think that you'll be giving over that time period at the bottom so we're clear about what you're doing. I want you to take some time to really fill this out. It's a time of worship. It's a time of saying, God, you know what? I want you to be real. I am so in awe of what you've done in my life. There comes a point in our relationships where it's not just about what God has given to us, but we come to a place that, God, what have I done for you? And this is one of those things that says, test me. This is one of the things that says, it's all right, you can, you can talk to me about this one. can I do to reveal back my love from you? I, I'm, I'm just kneeling. I'm just bowing in worship. I'm just asking you, God. I want to bring a smile to your face. I want you to touch people. I want to be about your purposes. So Lord, I'm picking this amount and committing to that right now. I ask you to do it because at the end I have a special thing I want to do because I want to release God's blessing. This isn't about something that we're just going through. This is about something we're asking God to be released in our lives in a powerful way.
as you're finishing up. Commitment is celebrated with his presence and his glory. When we make a commitment, God brings his presence and his glory. 2 Chronicles 7, 1 through 4. When Solomon had finished praying, they're dedicating the temple. Fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the burnt offerings and the sacrifices. And the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. Tangible cloud comes in, fills the temple. The priests could not even enter the temple that the Lord had so gloriously presenced himself and filled it. When all the people saw the fire coming down, the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple, they fell down on their ground and they worshiped and they praised God. Oh God, you are so good. You are so faithful. You are so powerful. God, we are in awe of you. His faithful love endures forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices to the Lord. They brought their gifts to the Lord. Lord, right now, I am praying, God, that you will release your blessing upon all of us here. That you will release your presence upon all of us here. Lord, that you would fill us, that you would overshadow us. Lord God, that you would come upon us, that you would bless us. You would bless our families. You would bless their families. You would bless our neighbors. You would bless those that are at work. God, that there be a tangible presence of your blessing that will be poured out upon us. Lord, that they could see yourself manifest in our life. Lord God, that we'd experience you, that we'd sense you, that we would feel you. Lord God, release your blessing. And Lord, we lift our hands as we hold these cards. Lord, we receive, we receive your blessing. Lord, we celebrate you in this moment right now. Lord, we love you, we exalt you. Stand before you right now. Let us stand before him right now.